You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome one and all to episode 124 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, where we discuss Warhammer and other wargaming-related things. Tonight, we have three different things to talk about. We have a real talk with the Pimpcron, and we are discussing an article I brought back from another dimension where things are very different for Warhammer players in this other dimension. So I figured I would read that to you guys and we would get our reactions from it. And we also have a want that or want that not with the new Hedonites of Slanesh dude, the gluttonous guy. His name is almost impossible to pronounce. But uh, do I want him? Do I not want him? I heard a bunch of people talking shit about him on Facebook. They don't like his model. So let's see if I align with what they say. And we finally have a letter from Brandon and the Tesseract mailbox. And he asks two things. He asks what unit he should get next for Caradron Overlords. And he should also, I mean, he also asks about my opinion of contrast paints. Have I used them? Do I like them? The tips, pros, cons, all of that. So we discuss that. What have I been up to? Um, we have played a ton of Brutality in the last week. Um, I played with my friend Andy, did a demo. I played with a guy named um, Hector, and we did a demo. He really enjoyed the demo. And what else? We played two narrative Brutality games of the new RPG sort of module I'm making. We did that with my friend Matt and my friend Matt and Josh. And then Josh and Matt and me did the arena mode or the gauntlet mode that just recently came out. And, uh, that was cool. So, um, what else? So we played, we played that at the store this week. And I also played Age of Sigmar Sylvaneth versus, uh, Beastman's Beast of Chaos. So two lower tiered AOS armies. And I got waffle stomped is what I did. I got messed up. Um, I messed, made s- several mistakes with my Sylvaneth. And this is only, I think my second game with Sylvaneth. And I threw our uh, tree, Reven- tree revenants all the way up in their front grill, and I forgot that his herdstone gives me minus one save. So they're only a five up save to begin with, and he was giving me minus one, and then a bunch of his units, like his dragon ogres, I don't know why I can't talk now, but they give me minus one, so I had no save. And he just eliminated, like, in the first turn, he killed, like, 500 points <laughs> of my 1500 point army, just, just out of the gate. Um, so partly, partly that was my fault for bad tactics. Like I said, only my second game ever with them, so I don't really know how to use them, but it has actually not discouraged me, um, from playing them further. It actually encourages me to play them even more because now I'm like, okay, now I've got something I got to figure out. I got to figure out how to play this army. I do know that my, um, Tree Lord Ancient and my Spirit of Durthu, the two big tree guys, they kick butt. They held the line at the very end of the game, and they... Man, Spirit of Durthu did, like, 18 unsaved damage to his Beastagores in one turn. I mean, just obliterated them. The rest of them died in, um... In Battleshock. But, uh... It was funny because my rolling was such garbage. One time, I had five attacks with Spirit of Durthu, hitting on threes, and I rolled five ones and twos. Like, just, just missed every single attack. And that was unfortunate. Uh, not to mention his Chimera. He had a Chimera and a Cockatrice. And both of them did some serious mortal wounds on me. So I I definitely messed up on several accounts. It's mostly my fault 
And then to compound that, my dice rolling was pretty terrible. Like, even he was like, come on, Pimpcron. And uh, it was just, just plain terrible. So, that was fun. He uh, all but tabled me. I had one Kurnoth Hunter with bow left. And that was it at the end of the game. And he beat me like 15 to 7 or something. He beat me pretty pretty badly. And uh, what else? So, I have been doing... I don't know if I told you guys this or not, but... I'm a big Star Trek fan. You already know that. You should know it by now. If you don't, then F you. And uh, I'm pretty sure I told you about a project I had been working on, or I-, I planned on working on, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And I am part of that Playmates, Star Trek Playmates toys from the 90s group, and I always see they make custom models and stuff like that. And then I said, well, gee, I'm not going to collect those toys because they're just going to sit on a shelf, and I don't like just putting money to sit on a shelf. And if I can't use them, then I'm not going to do anything with them. So uh, I'm just not going to buy them. But I still have this urge to own the models from DS9, Enterprise, Voyager, TNG, all that. So what I decided is I'm going to make custom models. They came out with Heroclix of Star Trek a while ago. And I'm going to make custom models. So that is what I've been doing. I've painted quite a bit of Sylvaneth in the last week. And I've also been kit bashing and painting a bunch of Star Trek models. So that has been a lot of fun, and um, my friend 3D printed me a Shuttlecraft Goddard model, so uh, that is something I can start playing them using the Brutality rules, and I can start doing Star Trek missions by myself solo gaming, and that is going to be a lot of fun. So um, that is what I've been up to, I think. I think that's all I've been up to. And um, what else? Working on the RPG module and all that for Brutality, and essentially, I think I've already told you about it, but it's like a D&D module where you go room to room and all that, but it's open world. You can go back to where you came from, you can flee a combat if you want, and there's bad consequences for that, but um, it's been a lot of fun working on that. I'm nearly done the first one, and ideally what I would do is I would publish a book with like four full replayable missions in it where there's so much variance that it's not even funny. Like there's so much stuff that could happen. Um, and, uh, that's it. So that I would eventually publish that. I'm hoping to work on a publishing schedule for, uh, brutality of maybe twice a year, every six months, release some sort of module or supplement or whatever. Like I just did with the beast Jerry in the gauntlet mode. I've already had some people ask me for more bestiary entries, and I'm like, good God, there was like 78 be- entries in there for orcs and skeletons and ghosts and, and robots and elementals and all that. But I'm thinking that some people would like some more specific things like pirates or um, things like that, ninjas and whatnot. So I think I could probably do a second bestiary for that as well, and uh, that would be fun. So uh, that is about it, I think, and... Um, as always, we are sponsored by GameMat.eu, and they sell pre-painted terrain and custom mats, all sorts of mats, double-sided mats, the new dimensional match for 40k with the new dimensions, and all that stuff, and pre-painted terrain. Pre-painted terrain is top-notch, and I uh, own a ton of it, and I love it. So, you should go check them out, and um, if you're using our code EVENT10, you get 10% off your order, so that's helpful. Every little bit helps, right? And uh, that is about it. So I'm going to let you get on with the show, and I hope you enjoy it, and thank you for listening. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. 
And it's that time of the show again where we open up the Tesseract mailbox. Today we have a letter from Brandon. He writes, Hello, Pimpcron. Really enjoy the show. Just found it about two weeks ago, and with all of this time off, I've plowed right through the episodes. I'm at least 30 episodes deep. That is pretty crazy, Brandon. To get to the main idea, I wanted to ask your opinion on contrast paints. I've been thinking about trying them, but they are a bit pricey and my friends have not used them. They are something around $7 a bottle, almost double what a normal paint is. Second question. I play Caradron Overlords for Age of Sigmar. What do you think I should add to the army? The only units I don't own are Frigates and Grunstock Thunderers. I actually play a mostly melee Overlords build with engine riggers, etc. Input? Thanks in advance, Brandon. Well, first off, I'm glad you found the show, Brandon. I really appreciate you listening and writing in. And yeah, 30 weeks and I mean, 30 episodes in two weeks is nuts. You've been listening like two episodes a day. (laughs) So I do I do appreciate you listening. And um, thank you for writing in to the main point. um, If this had been three months ago, I was actually a very late adopter of contrast paints. So if this had been three months ago, I don't think I would have been able to say anything to you about contrast paints. I knew my friends really liked them, and I know that my friend Beastman has uh, used them for his his Beast of Chaos army, and they turned out fantastic. Like, the, the contrast paints really, really worked well for them. And um, he said they're very easy to use. It's basically like applying a wash, a thicker wash, and it's really great. Um, but now I actually have some contrast experience as well. And um, with my Sylvanith army I've been doing, I uh, decided that Contrast are probably the perfect paint for them, being that they're all trees and bark and everything like that. So I, um, the thing is, you got to prime them a different color than I'm used to. I usually prime everything black, and you got to go with either the Wraithbone or the white or something like that. And um, I like my models to be a little bit brighter, so I always just prime with bright white. And um, I guess Corax White would be what it is, but I use uh, Rust-Oleum brand primer. And um, and it is primer, yes, it is actually primer. Painter's Touch Primer. And uh, it's not like the glossy crap. But um, anyway, I have found with my Sylvanith that I can crank out like five Sylvanith models in, in one night. A couple hours of painting and five Sylvanith models are done. In like a week and a half, I painted like... 20 models or something just in free time, not even dedicating that much time to it. And um, there is a slight mixed bag with contrast paints because they do not offer every single shade of paint, obviously, in contrast paints. And I do find them just slightly lacking in color depth. So it's like, it's similar to adding a base coat and a wash if you're using a contrast paint. But there, it's a little less... (laughs) <laughs> to be to be ironic, it's a little less... Con- so if you did the base coat of, let's say, a blue and then washed it with Asserman Blue or whatever it's called now, um, I think you would have more contrast in the color range than you would if you used, like, a blue contrast paint, if that makes any sense. So the blue contrast paint is like a thin paint that will hang in the recesses and be slightly lighter in some places and slightly darker in others but it's much more along the same lines of the same color. But I like high contrast things. My vision's not super great sometimes. So I really prefer to still use regular base coating and washes. But the darker contrast paints obviously have more contrast 
between their lighter sides and their darker sides, if that makes any sense. Where it accumulates, obviously, it's going to be darker. So I have the Wildwood Brown or whatever it's called, and um, that contrasts pretty well, but it's still pretty dark. And uh, so what I've been doing is I will still dry brush at something afterwards. And that, to me, brings back more of a, of a high contrast. Now, if you're just doing, like, Beastman had tons of um, uh, success with his beast, Beasts of Chaos. Man, I can never remember. I can never say that word. Beasts of Chaos. Beastman had luck with his Beasts of Chaos. And they look good. And he had more contrast to his colors for some reason. Uh, but you got to make sure you continuously shake the can or the pot. You got to shake, 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 and then paint for a couple minutes and then shake, shake, shake. Because it's possible that what he did is he didn't shake it as much and that thinned it out, which gave him more contrast to his colors between the high and low scale. That might be it because I shake frequently and it comes out more of a uniform color. So that very well could be the situation. But um, I definitely suggest them. It really is a step skipper. If you are going to do the blue and then wash it blue and then highlight it, then I would just say get a blue that matches in contrast, do one coat, and then highlight it. It is a time saver, especially for a lot of things that you don't care about. Like if you buy the brown and you do like belts and boots and stuff that's not like super important, you probably don't even have to highlight that stuff. But uh, it really depends. I've heard that armor is very good for contrast. Organic stuff, not as much. Fur works well. Clothing works well, but the only time I would say that it really doesn't work that well is on faces and stuff. A lot of the faces, I personally feel they need more contrast to a face than you do other things. Because, um, and I mean difference between the light and dark tones. That's why I think a wash works really well for that. Because you can just put the wash in different areas like under the eyebrows and, you know, under the nose and in the lips. You can put it just there and it will highlight those areas rather than highlighting the entire face and hoping the contrast actually outlines those things. Also, um, I don't know how many flesh tone colors there are in contrast. I have the Fire Slayer flesh and I'm not a fan of that as a color for flesh tone. It's got like a pinkish color to it. And not like, you know, human beings are like brown to peach, you know, that sort of scale. This is like a pinkish color. It's not really peach. And uh, I just don't think it's a supernatural color. Um, so to your other question, you know, it really depends. Because uh, between the frigates and the Grunstock Thunders, I would say that for the points, Grunstock Thunders are going to put way more damage outranged. But the frigates are way more mobile. And... I don't really know off the top of my head, point for point, like if it was 200 points for a frigate and 200 points for Grunstock Thunderer, I don't know which one would have more wounds. I think the Grunstock Thunderers would, but I might be wrong on that. But the, uh, the frigate, my personal opinion is if you were going to buy one or the other, I would buy the frigate because, well, you say you do melee, um... I think I'd still do the frigate because that mobility that those airships have for Caradron Overlord is so valuable that unless you already have an army full of airships and you're not really feeling like another frigate or another airship, like if you've got a ton of the, um, the, uh, I can't think of what they're called, the ironclads and whatever the, um, gun hauler. Yeah, the gun hauler. 
whatever the ironclad and the gun hauler. If you got a ton of those, then I don't think I'd go for a frigate. I think I'd go for the Grunstock Thunderers. Or if you definitely want to go ranged and all ranged, Grunstock Thunderers, I think pound for pound are going to do more damage output. So that's good. And but they're not nearly as mobile as the frigates unless you put them in an existing vehicle. So there's really no clear cut answer there. But if you do all Endrin riggers and all of that for your uh, your melee people, you're probably fairly mobile to begin with because Endrin riggers are like 12 inch movement or something and they fly. So I guess my final answer is the Grunstock Thunders is probably what you want to go after. And uh, because they're going to be doing something that your other things don't do. Frigates and the airships shoot fairly well, but the Grunstock Thunderers is just a massive shooting. And you know how that goes. Like, even the big monsters are easy to take down with just mass shooting. So ultimately, I think I would say Grunstock Thunderers. Um, I don't know off the top of my head the price difference of frigates, like 80 bucks, I think. Grunstock Thunderers are 50 or 60 for five. Um, so, depends on your price point, but... Ultimately, Brandon, I would say Grunstock Thunders sound like you want to add another element to your army. So, that's my final verdict. If you don't do it, I'm going to be disappointed. Anyway, thank you for writing in, Brandon. You can write me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron. Want that or want that not? On this week's Want That or Want That Not, I am rock hard for the Glottos <laughs> or Scolion, Lord of Gluttony. I don't know how to pronounce that, but good God, this Hedonites of Slanesh model is everything I've ever wanted in a miniature, and I had no idea I did. This is fan-fucking-tastic. It is, uh, if you haven't seen it, it is a new Hedonites of Slanesh model. He is mutated it's essentially has a i'm gonna go ahead and say persian feel like um the 300 persians um they've got tons of silver purple tapestries and he's basically on this like cart this howda of sorts and he's obese and he's got tentacles and he's got a scepter and he's got all sorts of piercings and stuff. He looks very much like that guy from the 300 movie. Um, I forget his name. It was a Xerxes. I don't remember. But the point is, is that this is such a cool model. They have taken... Okay, so number one, I am not one that shies away from the whole sexual aspect of Slanesh. I don't think that's, you know, like the worst thing in the world, but... The phrase excess can be so much more than just sex. And I've often said this. It should be gluttony. It should be um, obsessive compulsive. It should be uh, all sorts of stuff. Intoxication. It should be pain. It should be all sorts of stuff just besides sex. So in a way, I'm happy that they're going away from the purely sex Lanesh. Because I think there's a lot more avenues they could go with this. And I gotta tell you, this is such a fantastic model this model is straight up knocked out of the park. So what it is, is this guy, whatever his name is, I forgot it already, the gluttonous guy, they've got the um, the fancy genie pants, you know, those baggy pants that like uh, I Dream of Genie would wear, and uh, he's got several guards on this cart, he's sitting there, he's got like skulls and platters, and he's got cups next to him, and it's like real decadent and luxurious. And he's got this guardsman guy that's next to him. Uh, not guardsman like Warhammer guardsman, but uh, like this this guard with a sword. He's got a hookah next to him. 
and all this like fine tapestry and curtains and all this stuff. He's also got some guy that's out front and his cart is pulled by two mutated guys with lobster claws and these guys are just I can't say enough cool about this model. Some people have looked at it and said, "Oh, it's terrible," but I got to tell you, not one single part of this model is anything I would describe even remotely terrible. Matter of fact, this makes me want to play Heed Knights of Slamesh. I've never been a demon player that much, but man, this is awesome. And I love the mixture of the mortal realms along with the demon units. So this guy is clearly a possessed, and he's being pulled by these two... What are they? I guess they're four-legged guys with lobster claws. And there's a guy out front on this cart that's whipping him like a, with a cat of nine tails. And there's another guy holding a bowl and holding up this platter with a skull on it for the hedonite guy to um, to eat or drink from, I guess. Then there's a woman that this is an awesome model, too. This is the type of thing that I would want to buy and just maybe break up for brutality, if nothing else. This woman has peacock feathers with eyes all behind her, and she's holding up this plate with a heart on it. And uh, she's, like, offering it to the heavens. And, man, this is so cool. I I can... Dude, I'm not even going to take my Cialis tonight. I gotta tell you right now, I'm just going to keep this picture in my pocket, and if, if, I, if the time comes, I'm going to be able to... Uh, just just be ready because this is such a not only is the paint job amazing which is what you'd expect it's a, it's a very adequate paint job but his chariot has been painted to be marble which is so freaking cool everything is gold trimmed i just there is a air of arrogance and of decadence and fanciness that oozes from this model and it is definitely a centerpiece to anybody's army if they're going to do heat knights of slanesh this there's not many models that have gotten me this excited for a long time i mean the blood bowl halloween themed guys got me really excited there's been a couple other things but damn this is cool this is very very cool so if i'm not gonna break this apart you know what the problem is hey the problem just just uh occurred to me this thing's probably going to be like $110 or something stupid. It's very much in the same vein as the um, Triumph of St. Catherine or whatever from the um, Sisters of Battle. So it's like a bunch of people put together as one unit on one big base. And I'm totally fine with that. But I'm probably not going to be fine with the, the price point. And this is actually why I wait until I do Want That or Want That Not. Um for new models because I wait until they're actually released with the price point and because that does actually affect my want that or want that not if this thing is around a hundred dollars uh I don't know if I can stomach a hundred dollars for this I do 100% love this model I guess I guess I would it's a want that I love this model enough that if it's a hundred and twenty five dollars dude I'm gonna think twice if it's 100, 110 even, I think I have to buy it. I'm not going to be thrilled about the price, but I think I have to buy it. If it's anything less than that, just sign me up because it is such a cool freaking model. I can't even get over it. I can't say enough good about this. You need to go on the Warhammer community page and go look this up right now because it is 
it is just so cool. It's got a total of five guys, including the leader, and then two guys pulling it. And, uh, I don't know what else to say about it. Even the claws on these guys pulling the cart, I don't know if they've intentionally been carved, but they've got all these ornate, like, engravings all in the claws, and the guys are wearing these harnesses, and they're all studded with spikes, and they've got, um, mutations all over them and scars. It's just a, such a freaking cool model. <laughs> <laughs> I can only say that so many times, but it's the truth. I love this model. So I'm eagerly finding it. Man, I was not even looking at Hedonites of Slanesh to buy. I'm not even I'm not joking at all. I was not even interested. Zero percent interest because Just James plays um that faction. And I just I'm not a demon person, don't like him. But this one hundred percent changes everything for me. I think I'm gonna have to buy this army. And that's that's something my wallet and I are going to have to discuss later. Anyway, 100% want that, unless it's 125 or over. Let's, let's put the cutoff at that. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hello, this is Real Talk with the Pimicron, and I don't really want to go into specifics about this and how exactly it came to be. But let's just say I went to college with some of the Cryptex, and I'm not going to tell you which one, I'm not going to give any names, but we were good friends, and he was messing with some arcane technology recently, and he actually stumbled upon a portal to our mirror dimension where things are a little bit different. And I got to tell you, Warhammer is a lot different in this dimension. So what I was able to do in the short time I was over there, we went on a little vacation, and I was able to snag the latest Pimpcron article from that dimension and bring it over here. That's basically the only proof I have that I was in a different dimension. So let's begin this stolen article, and I'm just going to read you this article and react to it. And uh, we'll see how life is different on the other side, okay? Let's see if we are in the right dimension or not. It says, Howdy, my friends. Your ever-loving blue-eyed Pimpcron is here with an ever-so-gentle nudge at our favorite benevolent wargaming overlords. But come on, I'm not wrong on this stuff. Someone has to say it. GW's prices are getting out of hand. Well, so far, so good. That sounds about right. I hear people every day saying GW's prices are out of hand, so this seems like they got the same problems. I was at the Dollar General store the other day to pick up a tactical squad of Marines when I turned the corner and what I saw shocked me. As I looked past the pork rinds and beyond the knockoff Power Ranger toys, I saw that they had raised the price again? $15 for a squad of 10 freaking Marines? They're going to price themselves right out of business with this crap. Hmm. Just last week it was $12, and five years ago it was $10. I'm not made of money, and I will not be willing to pay more than this for a box if they raise it again. $1.50 per model? I am fuming. Hmm. That's... That's a... <laughs> Maybe they don't have the same problems in this dimension that I thought we they did. Uh, seems a little bit odd. Um, Maybe we could just slip over there a little bit once in a while just to buy some models for cheap and come back. I don't know if our money would be the same, but that's not a bad idea. Let's see what this is. A call to arms. We need men. Hmm. This may be a delicate subject, but I speak only the truth. We need more men playing 40k and wargaming in general. Oh, Pump Crown, that sounds awfully sexist of you. Anybody could tell you that this is a female-dominated industry and that they are the only target audience. For instance, we only have one, one army that is exclusively male, and otherwise we aren't represented at all on the tabletop. 
When I first started playing Brothers of Battle, I almost didn't want to because I went to my gaming group and I felt cliche. It felt weird to be the only guy player to begin with who just had to play the only male army. Hmm. This is getting a little creepy. So their prices are super cheap and it's only female dominated as opposed to our male dominated. Hmm. So it seems like Pimpcron's the one shouting into the void here, playing Brothers of Battle, and probably Adeptus uh, Fraternitus, I think is what they're called, Adeptus Fraternitus, and uh, seems like I'm the only one playing Brothers of Battle, and it's kind of weird that I would be a guy playing Brothers of Battle, and why don't I play some of their army? It's because there are no men in any of the other wargaming armies, so that seems like a slightly different issue they have there. And don't get me wrong on my Brothers of Battle, who are still all metal and haven't even gotten a serious codex in years. It's like that army is just a token for head gal Janice Johnson to say, hey, yeah, we have a male army, while not really even supporting it. I feel like we got more men, if we got more men into the hobby, we would be supported more and maybe we could start getting some new models of men that aren't overly sexualized. I mean, every, every model needs to be shirtless with a G-string or a codpiece, and the proportions are all off for men. They're huge muscle men, which of course makes me feel a little bit inadequate. Oh well, sex cells and women are buying the models. Wow, can you even imagine a world like that? I'm having... I'm having trouble just thinking about this. So, apparently, all their men are super, super handsome and muscular, and they only wear G-strings and cod pieces. That's just weird. I wonder if they have dick armor. Do you think that is kind of like our boob armor people get mad about? I wonder if they have dick armor. They got cod pieces, so I'm, I'm assuming that's the case. This is just a fascinating world I've stumbled upon. I've got no idea. Let's, let's keep reading. Gamer girls, have some manners. I have women ask me all the time why it is that I am the only dude in our gaming group. I have to explain to them that they can make it pretty awkward for men to join. For instance, I'm just a normal looking guy. I'm not a crazy gorgeous man or anything. But a good portion of the girls who see me at the gaming store are instantly smitten and either get really socially awkward or they just hit on me constantly. Hmm. This place is sounding more. And, <laughs> this place is sounding better and better. So you're telling me cheap prices, and more women play, and I'm the only guy, and they all hit on me. Oh, that's. I don't know. This is at first I was thinking you know it's kind of weird, but I'm I'm thinking I might just take a permanent vacation there, and uh, let me say it has some put some stress. It has put some stress on my marriage because the wife isn't that happy with hanging out. Uh, that I'm hanging out with a bunch of women who all have the attention put on the only guy in the room. I know it's a deterrent for many men. Geeky women just don't know how to handle a man walking into the game store. When you walk into the game store as a man, everyone stops talking and just stares, usually at your butt. I always feel like there might be some food on my face or something when I walk in here. And a couple... And couple that with the women who think they're better than men and the situation isn't that fun for a guy. You know, with the woman splaining and everything. <laughs> oh man, I need to spend more time with it. This just sounds like an amazing, amazingly different dimension. GW needs to stop listening to everyone. 
Games Workshop has always listened to their customers and has always been willing to do whatever they can to make a buck. But their recent actions in the last few years is getting ridiculous. The running joke is that all it takes is 10 people to want a certain army for GW to crank it out. In the last few years, we've seen the addition of a Squats Codex, HUD Codex, a Codex for all the major Guardswoman factions, an Arbitus Codex, or Arbites, a Codex for just Primarchs, Codex Groot, Codex Malal, and a couple more I can't even remember. The problem is that they are completely flooding their own market with their merchandise and outpacing the purchasing power of their customers. The new Malal Demon Prince is $35, while other princes are $20. With prices like that, they can't keep cranking so many miniatures out before they hurt their own sales. Wow, that is... Whew. So, um, I'm thinking a lot of us are probably going to want to take a dimension, uh, dimensional vacation to this. I'm going to have to get up with my Cryptech buddy again, and maybe we'll just, like, raid the place. And, uh, I mean, a lot of us could do with some attention. Men don't typically get attention, so, um, I'm sure it would get annoying at f after a while, but, gee, a one-week vacation where the women are all staring at you and hitting on you, I don't know. Things, things might be a little different in this dimension, um, obviously I can't go back there cause I'm married. So that's, that's the problem for me. But, uh, any of you guys, look, you want to, you want to write me at pimpcron at gmail.com and you want to hit me up for, uh, for the directions and the, um, the 4d GPS location of exactly when and where this is. And, um, Hey, you know what? And matter of fact, I might even bring back some brothers of battle. I, I mean, I'll play with some new dudes. I don't care. Anyway. I uh I think I've gone on long enough about this. If I get a chance, I'll try to bring back another article from their dimension. But in the meantime, just know things are very, very different in our mirror dimension. I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for GameAt.eu for supporting the show. And thank you to all of you well-endowed Patreon patrons. I greatly appreciate it. Later. <laughs>